0: again and uh, Merry Christmas to you and it's good to have you here at this service. It has been an intense week around here and uh, I'm looking forward to a no drama service here. The first service was crazy. We had EMTs and ambulances in the parking lot and all sorts of stuff. Everyone's okay and doing well I hear so that's good. I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna dive in. Father God we thank you for uh, this week and we thank you for uh, this day and this time that we set aside to uh, remember your son born to us in the flesh, and God with us. And Father, my prayer is this evening as we uh, look into your word and look into a passage that maybe many of us have studied many, many times over the years, that you will bring it alive to us in a new way and a deeper way, that our appreciation and awe of what it is that you did for us uh, on Christmas Eve, the birth of your son. Something that maybe has become a common thought for us would again tonight take on um, an air of mystery and awesomeness and um, intrigue. As we think of and reach down into the depths of your son come to us. And we pray for these things now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, "Amen, amen." Well, it's good to have you here. And uh, we uh, we started a, a series on Sunday uh, called "The Supporting Cast of Christmas Past," and um, we're gonna have another installment of it tonight and then over probably the next three or four years we're just going to cover a few more every year because if if you think about Christmas right um, we know that if Christmas were a movie that it would just have one star and that star would be Jesus Christ he's the center of the story he's what it's all about but it's interesting that God didn't just I mean it wasn't just Jesus there that there was a supporting cast There were all sorts of people that God used to support the work that he was doing. People that God called on and people that responded to that call. Uh, we think of people like Mary, probably one of the most you know, preeminent ones because she's, I, th- I think, really the only one besides Jesus that we can see in the Gospels from beginning to end. We have people like Joseph that we talked about uh, on Sunday, Uh, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Anna, Simeon, um, the Magi, uh, the Shepherds. We're going to talk about the Shepherds tonight. And uh, on Sunday, we kind of introduced the story, and so maybe just by way of review, I know this is probably, uh, you know this, but this is a story that took place, uh, you know, a little over 2,000 years ago. And it involved really, essentially, at the beginning, a, a couple, Mary and Joseph, and they were betrothed. And we talked about this that it's it's not really like we think of an engagement today. Um, it was it was a lot more um, involved. Uh, it took a lot longer. A betrothment could take uh, a betrothal could take a year, sometimes even longer, in which um, a young couple sometimes. People who never even met each other um, would come together with their parents and there would be contracts signed and there would, you know, money would change hands and dates would be set and there would be kind of a celebration to start this off and then it might you know, be a year where uh, they would actually legally be considered married but uh, the, they didn't live with each other, they lived with their parents and they didn't have a physical relationship during that time. And we find Mary and Joseph in this place in, in the middle uh, of this betrothal somewhere and during this an angel comes to Mary completely unexpected but this angel appears and announces to her that she's going to become pregnant and she's going to become pregnant while she's a virgin and she can pick up apparently um, that it's going to happen imminently and, and so the angel explains it's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit it's going to be this crazy thing and it's going to be the son of God and, and all of And Mary's response basically is like you know I don't understand it but I'm in right she has no idea what she's agreeing to Um, and so she becomes pregnant and she has to go tell Joseph so at the beginning of the story Joseph doesn't get an angel coming to him he just gets Mary and Mary comes and says I got this really crazy story to tell you and she tells him and he doesn't apparently believe her and uh, he's like she's pregnant and the only thing I know is I'm not the father and uh, this just doesn't seem like science to me and so um, yeah he decides to divorce her It's at that point that an angel comes and appears to him in a dream and says, actually, this is exactly what she said. And God is bringing a savior into the world. And uh, so when he wakes up, he takes Mary as his wife. They tie the knot. And in Luke chapter 2, we're going to pick up the story tonight. I want to just read this for you to give a little context to where we'll be. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Uh, This was the first registration while Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town. So it's kind of like a census for Rome, but instead of the government coming to your house, uh, you went to a town uh, that was kind of part of your lineage and uh, you would be registered there. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who's with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So Bethlehem is probably about 70 miles. Uh, from where they uh, begin the trip. 70 miles is not a big deal to us today, right? I could probably do that in 45 minutes. Um, but, yeah. Uh-huh. But um, back then, you're talking about a week of travel. And you're talking about a woman who's very pregnant. And uh, the roads are rough. And so it's quite a journey. And they're you know, camping out at night. And this is a lot for a woman who's just about to give birth. And they get to Bethlehem. And they, it says there's no room in the inn. And uh, so they find a room in a stable, which is probably, we think, probably the ground floor of somebody's house. And on the ground floor was where the animals stayed and the family would stay upstairs. And so somebody lets uh, Mary and Joseph uh, stay down there. Uh, Jesus is born in a stable. Uh, This story that, you know, is is so profound. It's so common to us, but it's so profound that 2,000 years later, we still sing about it and celebrate it and um, gather together and remember what God had done. And going on in verse 8, we kind of uh, trade locations. And now we go just outside of Bethlehem, out in the fields. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it, they wondered, they marveled at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds, they returned glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen as it had been told to them. I was struck this week uh, at how the story begins and how the story ends and how the the shepherds, I want to say, traded up from starting with fear and moving to this place of of overwhelming joy. Uh, It's the idea that they, they traded up. It made me think I came across a story this week uh, in the Washington Post. And you may, have, you may have heard about this. It's a story that began back on May 18th of 2020 involving a 30-year-old woman named Demi Skipper. And uh, she was kind of bored with the pandemic and uh, couldn't do a lot of the things she usually did. And she kind of came up with this idea. She thought this would be fun. Uh, she would list a bobby pin... Um, on Craigslist, eBay and Facebook Marketplace and other places and, and she would try to see if she could trade up a simple bobby pin and see how far she could get. And she documents all this on TikTok. She gained over 5, five million followers and a lot of her videos have been viewed over 20 million times trading a bobby pin. Right? So she executed 28 different trades over a period of 18 months And some of them included, she traded a vacuum for a snowboard. She traded an Apple TV for some Bose wireless headphones. That's pretty good. She traded an iPhone 11 for a 2008 Dodge Caravan. That was probably a bad trade. Um, She traded the Caravan for a Chipotle celebrity card. I'd never heard of one of those. So apparently every year, Chipotle gives out a handful of these celebrity cards to, I don't know, whoever they consider to be their biggest fans. And that card is good for free food for an entire year. Yeah, like, so apparently there was one woman who was just, she had a hankering for burritos and she wanted that card so she traded a, a travel trailer worth $40,000 for that card. Just for, like, I hope she got her money's worth. Uh, and then, um, and apparently that was a little tra- uh, trouble because the travel trailer was in Canada and the border was closed because you can't have those Canadians come down here, right? And so it took like four months to get that thing across. Got it across and then she listed that on eBay and eventually she found a woman in Ga- uh, Clarksville, Tennessee uh, who flips homes for a living and she wanted that travel travel trailer. And so she traded the $40,000 travel trailer for an 80000 thousand dollar home that she gave to her so she in in 18 months she goes from a bobby pin to an eighty thousand dollar home in Tennessee which isn't too bad and then she wrote this she said "We're, we're in the process of renovating the house and when the house is done my plan is to find someone who really needs it and to trade it to them for a bobby pin which is kind of cool, right? But I want to suggest that as great as that might be, and I know some of you are probably right now thinking, I bet I have something around the house I could put on eBay. I want to suggest that the shepherds make a trade that's even even better than this, even more long-lasting than this when they trade from fear to joy. So we're going to start tonight in the story by talking about what I'm going to call an appropriate fear because not all fear is bad. Some fear is good. In chapter 2, verse 8 again, just a review of the story. On the night Jesus was born in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field and they were keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. So this angel appears and he announces the birth of Christ. And we've talked before about how interesting this is. They didn't announce it to the religious leaders in Jerusalem, which kind of makes sense, right? This is a spiritual thing. God's about to do this crazy thing. Why wouldn't you tell the religious leaders? And if you got them on your side, right, then you're good. Or or what about Caesar Augustus? He's kind of a powerful guy. I mean, what if an angel just appeared to him and convinced him? And right, like the church would be on its way, but instead they come to shepherds. And shepherds, as you may be aware in, in that culture, were about as low down social class as you could get. They were considered so untrustworthy that they weren't allowed to testify in court. They were considered spiritually unclean, so they couldn't just walk in here and worship. Uh, they weren't the people you befriended or had over to your house. You know, people might see them. And, but it's interesting that the first birth announcement comes to these lowly shepherds. And God's reminding us about who Jesus is coming for. He's coming for every, for everyone. But for the shepherds, it's just, it's another day. Like I can, you know, I can picture they, the alarm goes off in the morning. They, they get up for their shift. They have breakfast, whatever shepherds eat for breakfast, right? And they get ready, they go out to the job, they're just doing life, they're hanging out with some of the guys, they're talking about, you know, stuff. And then all of a sudden, God invades their world, right? Just, just as far as they know, it's just any other day. And God decides, this is the day I'm going to literally invade their comfortable world and make them very uncomfortable. In fact, it says they became extremely fearful when the angel appears to them. In fact, what it says is that it's a great fear or uh, megaphobeo is the Greek. So both of those words may sound familiar to you. Mega meaning great, large, loud, you know, ginormous. And and phobeo, which means to be alarmed or to be afraid. You know, we get the word phobia from it today as well. And so they have this great, this megaphobeo because when angels appear to humans, and you see this a lot in scripture, apparently they're very fearsome creatures. I've never seen an angel that I'm aware of, but apparently if I did, I would, you know, I may know because there's fear, they're these fearsome creatures and you see this a lot in scripture. People are afraid and these guys are very, very afraid, but I actually don't think that's all that's going on here. I think there's another reason they're afraid. I, I think something below the surface of their physical appearance is what's making them afraid. I think that what it comes down to is this, uh, if this makes sense. I think that um, we all have an intuitive knowledge of when our soul is not right with God. I think Romans kind of bears this out. We can pretend that we're okay spiritually. We can ignore where we are spiritually. We can kind of shove it out of our our thinking and not think about it. But I believe that when people are disconnected with God, when they don't know Christ, there is this intuitive thing that lets them know that they're not right with God. And when God invades... When God suddenly appears on the scene in some way through a situation or through an angel or whatever it may be, I think that we naturally assume the worst. And I think these shepherds are people who are like most people and when this angel appears suddenly it, it, it occurs to them, there is a world that exists beyond the physical world and apparently they are afraid of the message. They're afraid of what they're about to hear. Uh, about 10 months ago I was at my uh just regular uh annual checkup and uh my doctor she was like you know you're you're 60 years old now and uh you're getting up there and I grew up in Southern California basically next to a swimming pool I got way too much sun and she said you know you should probably start seeing a dermatologist keep keep track all this stuff right make sure everything's okay so fine. I went, made an appointment, side dermatologist. If you've done that, you know, just check you out and make sure everything's okay. And just about done. And she gets to this, this thing on my arm and she's like, oh, wow. Like this lady has no bedside manner. She's like, oh, whoa. You know, and she's like, well, that, that, that's cancer right there. Like, I'm like, what, what? what? She's like, well, we're just going to take it. And so they you know, dig it out and we're going to, we're going to do this biopsy. And here's the way it works. So, um, if it turns out it's nothing, we're just going to send you a letter in the mail. And uh, we're like, everything's fine, we'll see you in a year. If it's cancer, we'll, like, we'll only be hanging, we'll call you. Um, my assistant will call you, she'll explain the diagnosis, she'll explain to you probably how we'll go about it, and then um, you know, we'll go from there. Uh, so eight days later, I'm at home, and uh, I'm, I'm having lunch, and my phone rings. And I look at my phone, it's a dermatologist's office, and it kinda hadn't even occurred to me. And I look at it, and I just, you know, you have that, oh, wait a minute right, right, a call, let's see, call's good, call's bad, no, I think it's bad, and so I'm literally walking across the living room, I'm like, oh, I gotta sit down, right, I'm feeling, d- so I go and I sit down, and I answer the phone, and she says, hi, this is so-and-so from the dermatologist's office, and I'm just, do you, you know, do you have a minute, and I'm like, yeah, I guess so, and she's like, I, she can sense it in my voice, are you okay, yeah, no, I'm fine, okay, so anyways, I'm calling you, because I have the results of your biopsy, can, can we talk about it, I'm like, sure. She's like, okay, so I'm looking here and uh, everything's fine. Looks great and we'll see you in a year. Click. Like, that's it, right? So I like, But I'm assuming the worst. I'm assuming the worst when she calls and I think this is what's happening with the shepherds. Like, all of a sudden, God invades their world and they they assume the worst. Uh, Because the angel would be a shocking reminder that there's more to this life than the physical world. And it's, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we get so caught up in the day-to-day physical world, we realize that there are spiritual realities and in some ways are more real than the physical world that we live in because the physical world is passing away but the spiritual lasts forever and it reminds us oh there's a god you know right sometimes stuff happens to you or the dermatologist calls or whatever and suddenly you're like thinking oh there's a god and there's there's spiritual realities like death and and judgment and sometimes when god invades our world it exposes our insecurities about who we are and and our spiritual condition and what what comes next but i would suggest this that not all fear is bad There are things I fear that I I think is probably good. I I fear, uh, you know, coming in contact with open flame. I just do, and I find that it's served me well. I, uh, I, I have a fear of dental procedures. Uh, my dentist is a good friend of mine, but I don't really, we're not, I, I don't like his job that much, you know. And so, because I'm afraid of dental procedures, I floss twice a day, and I brush three times a day, and I swish, and all that kind of stuff, and so it actually served me pretty well. Uh, I have a fear of expired sushi. Actually, I have a fear of sushi, but that's like a whole other story. But, but here, the fear of the Lord. Right, The scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. There's a wisdom that comes from, from rightly fearing God to having awe of God to recognize his existence and his authority and his sovereignty and, and his right to judge and the consequences of our own sin. Fear can be good, but here's the thing. God doesn't want us to get stuck there. He doesn't want anyone to get stuck at the, at the fear stage. And so what we find here is a, is a trading up of progression for the shepherds where they go from fear and now to good news. So there's something good happening here in verse 10. And the angel says to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you some good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He says, fear not, for behold, and and in the Greek, a, a better way to read it is just, do not be fearing, be perceiving, for I'm bringing you good news. Good news that kind of the two words in the English come from one word in the Greek. Uh, it means to uh, announce good uh, glad tidings, and it was kind of it wasn't a religious word. It was a common word. For instance, when a, a, a king would have good news for his citizens, he would send out somebody who would who would deliver the good news. Or literally, we get the word gospel from this. The gospels, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what we find here is this, that moving from fear and a place of being stuck to a place of, of joy, we're in the progression here, that it requires a, a beholding of the gospel. It requires the gospel. so That we, we ponder it, as we'll talk about, that we embrace it, and really that we, we believe it. That we behold and believe the gospel. So the angel says, I'm bringing you, I'm bringing you good news. Now the shepherds already knew the, the bad news. The bad news is that we were people who were created by God in the image of God. And we were created for God. I know that what we want to think is that we were created for us, right? That's the way that we think. Well, God created me for me. But no, God created me for for God. I I live to have a relationship with God. To to glorify, really when it gets down to it, to glorify God in the way I live, in the way I I talk, in, in the decisions I make that's why I was created to, to bring glory to God unfortunately there's a thing called sin and sin is when we, we take the purpose that God gave us and we reject that we, we reject God and his rightful place in our heart and our life to rule and to reign and we decide that we'll be on the throne that, that, that we'll call the shots that we'll take everything God has given us and go in another direction go away from God and our sin has, has broken our relationship with God it, it's brought death to our soul it brings uh, friction between us and God but it doesn't just stay on a, on a vertical level it, it, it goes out horizontally as well and so as I understand scripture what it says is that when I'm at at, at war with God that that kind of plays out in my relationships as well sin creates fear it creates a fear of God and rightfully so it creates a fear of judgment uh, a fear of death Right? Because we don't know what's happening next. A fear of circumstances and uh, of not being good enough. A fear of the future. We're just afraid because we don't really know what's coming next and where we stand with God. And so the angel says, I have some good news. And the good news is this. A child has been born for you. The good news isn't an idea. The good news is not a principle. The good news isn't 10 ways to get right with God. The good news is a child. It's a, it's a person. It's Jesus Christ. He is, he is God and he's God in the flesh, He is Emmanuel, he's God with us. He's, and then there's all this stuff that, that goes with, he's, he's eternal, right? It's a weird thing to think about, like, I have three kids, there was a point in which my kids came into existence, right? But not for Jesus, he's, he's eternal. So when he was born on this earth, that wasn't the beginning of, of life for him, he's eternal. And yet now he's born into space and time, how does that work? Yeah, I, well I don't know. He's omnipresent God. That is, he's, he's present everywhere. Uh, and now he comes to earth and he's in a body like ours. How does that work? I don't know. One writer put it this way. He filled the body, but he was not contained by the body. Uh, he's God omnipotent, all-powerful, and yet he experienced hunger and cold and tired and he grew and he he learned to talk and to walk. He didn't just... Come out of the womb dancing and speaking full sentences, right? Again, how does that work? I don't know. And he's called Emmanuel. He is God with us. Why? Why was God with us? Well, Jesus answered that question. He said he came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. Because we could not save ourselves. So he became one of us. He, he lived among us. He lived as one of us. He, he experienced life as we do. He lived a perfect life. He lived the life we were supposed to live. He, he, he always did everything with both perfect love and justice. That's hard for us. We always kind of lean one way or the other. He was always perfectly both. He exposed the lies that we've been sold and he taught us the truth about God and us. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He worked miracles. He, he, he raised the dead. Eventually he was rejected, arrested, abused, mocked, and nailed to a cross. But see, that was the plan. That was his plan. It was not our plan. That is why he came, to pay the penalty for our sin, the ransom for our lives, to die, to rise, to conquer sin, to conquer death. In Romans 10, 9, I love this. It just kind of wraps this whole thing up nicely it says it's if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you'll be saved so the gospel the good news isn't just something to, to hear it's something to behold it's something to ponder it's something to believe that you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and so we have this kind of going from fear to, to good news and the story continues where the shepherds go from good news to a, to a great joy in verse 10, it goes on and says this. Now the angel said to them, fear not for behold. Notice I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. So, so the good news of a savior brings, he says, great joy. Mega, kara is the Greek here. So again, big, um, you know, gigantic. And kara here is gladness or, or to be, have an exceeding amount of joy and overflowing in abundance more than you could use or need. And of course the reality is that life is filled with enough bad news and enough difficult stuff and you know, you've all, we've all kind of gone through 2020 and now 2021 and right there has been plenty i've had a lot of conversations with people recently who are like yeah i mean you know i remember right the coronavirus in in, in 20 and 2020 and then i thought it was better and then it was worse and then it was better and right then there was delta and then it was better and how many how many letters are there in the greek alphabet by the way right just kind of i had people who were like i'm just done with this and i'm stressed out about this and it's hard and you know and then it, you see what it's done to our culture Right? Just like the, the divisions, even amongst Christians and looking at like, you know, the vaccine wars and, and, you know, people that are fighting and, you know, you hate everybody. That's why, you know, you won't get vaccinated or, you know, you're just a sucker and that's why you did. And, you know, or, right? That we, we got inflation now. That's good news. Most biggest inflation we've had in 30, 40 years. We got Russia and Ukraine, like what's going on there and China and the South China Sea starting to exert some some um, power there. And we're kind of wondering where that's headed Politics I, I mean I listen to news every day I you know I can't remember the last time I heard The word politics and good news using the same sentence It's just we got climate change and you know relational stress And some of you have you know been in the last few weeks And we've talked about how stressful your your extended family is And how much you're looking forward to tomorrow That's you know, maybe you've got that or vocational or educational stress Or maybe financial stuff health stuff Stuff we can't control, the stuff we can't fix, the stuff we're afraid of. Aren't you glad you came and I, I mentioned all this? You probably came in feeling fine and now you're stressed out. Here's the thing. God offers us something. He offers us great joy. A mega joy. Mega is an important word. It basically is telling us it's bigger. It's bigger than anything that would circumvent it. It's bigger than any circumstance you will face or the stuff that's going on around you, right? Isn't, didn't Jesus say in the world you will have trouble, but, but be of good cheer because I have what? I've overcome the world. In, in chapter two, verse 13, we continue the story. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. So the story begins, with just one angel. And the shepherds are scared. So they they pull themselves together and then a multitude appear. And that word multitude uh, multitude in the Greek is that we don't, it, it seems to be something that's countless. But some scholars have an interesting theory. And that is that actually this is every angel. Every angel is there. Because every angel is peering down. Um, into this scene that they can see, but it, they can't quite comprehend. It's just a little bit beyond them. Because these are, these are angels, remember, that knew Jesus before he was born and they knew his majesty and his glory and his beauty and his love and his power and you know they witnessed the, the creation of the world of the universe and, and the creation of humanity and they had witnessed uh the fall of humanity and and how God had reached out uh through the centuries and how people had stiff-armed God all along the way and now this baby is born and these angels know that this is God in the flesh and it's it's like something they can't quite comprehend like why would God do this and, And how could God do this? How could Jesus exist in a human body, right? How how could that work? How could he enter into space and time? And and, and why was he born into a humble family? And and why was he born into an unremarkable hometown? Why wasn't he born in a palace? Why wasn't he born to royalty? That would make sense. But this, this is amazing. This is not something you could see coming. So they, they shout glory to God. This is, uh, this is what they know. They, they are, they, they realize that the people who are watching this happen, the humans are like witless people. I have no idea how amazing this is. I mean they know it's amazing but they couldn't possibly comprehend not the, not the shepherds, not Mary not Joseph. The amazing situation what's happening here. I don't know if you've ever experienced something that at the, at the time, it was amazing. It was awesome. But then later you look back and you realize you didn't even comprehend how awesome it was, how, how amazing it was. And you probably got a lot of those things in your life. I was thinking about that this week. and um, I was thinking about my wife's birthday and my daughter's birthday are both right before Christmas. That, that's really awesome. And, uh, but we were kind of celebrating. And I, I thought back for some reason, I thought back about the um, time I asked Christy out, on our very first date. And I, I didn't really know her well, went to college together and we had mutual friends. And I ended up asking her out. And when I asked her out and she said yes, I was super excited, cause I didn't think she would say yes, but I was really excited about that. Um, and I was excited about getting to know her, but you know, looking back, I had no idea. I had no clue what that first, what, what that was going to lead to. Had I known, I don't, write that would have been like overwhelming about about the relationship that God would give us and the love that exists between us and, the, you know, the children uh, that God would give to us and the life that we have. I mean, I look back now and I'm like, I thought it was awesome there, but it was even better than I realized. And that's kind of what's going on here. It's the angels are just glory to God because what's happening is amazing. It's, it's astounding. And think about it. Two thousand years later we have a lot more information than those shepherds would have had and there's there's a danger that we might think well we kind of get it they were shepherds you know but we but do we do we get it and he talks about peace on earth that idea of peace means to to join or to set something as one biblical peace is not a lack of trouble in the world because Jesus said there's always gonna be trouble out there but it is spiritually speaking the uh, the end of hostility with God and once hostility with God has been removed scripture says then we can begin to have peace horizontally with other people around us because of the peace that God has given us so how do we have that peace with God I was listening earlier today to the song hark the herald angel sing right as a great line in there God and sinners reconciled in Romans chapter 5, I was reading this the other day, it has this whole, it kind of lays out this whole prog- progression how Jesus becomes one of us and, and how he experiences everything that we experienced and, and that he lived life the way that it was supposed to be lived. Uh, he, he's at perfect peace with God. He dies for our sins. And in doing so, he makes peace possible with God because Christ serves as our mediator, as our high priest. But just knowing about it doesn't give you peace with God. It's when you believe it. It's when you trust what God has done for you. In verse 15, the story goes on. It says this, Now when the angels went away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Bethlehem's probably roughly a mile away. They're going to go into town. It's a small town. Probably weren't a lot of babies born that night and even fewer that are in a, in a manger. And so they go, it says, and, and they went with haste and they found Mary and they found Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered. They they marveled. They were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary. But Mary treasured up all these things. Pondering them in her heart. Two really big words that we've talked about before. Treasured and and, and pondered. The word treasured means um, basically to keep something together. Or to conserve or to preserve something from ruin. So the idea would be like, so Mary's going to hold on to this and she's going to dwell on it and she's not going to let go of it. It has this uh, pondering as the idea of, of combining or putting into context or connecting the dots. And so here you have Mary, she's heard all this stuff, she's seen all this stuff, she brings it all together, she's holding on to it and she's just going to hold on to it for a long time and ponder and ponder and ponder. Right? Not like us. We're, we're, we're prone to wander more than ponder. Aren't we? ponder. We, like, so, you know, some of us, we might go home tonight, and like my family will go home, We everyone gets to open a gift tonight. I, it's, uh, none of my family are here, so I'll just give it away. It's pajamas. It always is. So, right? uh, but you, know, you can do that, and it's easy to be like, oh, pajamas are great, and let's have some food, and, and, and forget about what happened here. Forget about what we heard. Right? Mary doesn't just hear the message. She soaks it, and she holds on to it. My question is, have you ever done that? Have you ever pondered the birth of Christ? Have you ever held on to it in your thoughts? Just dwelt on it. Just fall asleep thinking about it. Just wake up in the morning and think about it. I just say this, there are some benefits that won't come any other way than thinking and dwelling and pondering on the good news of the gospel. And this brings us to the last thing, and that is they go from great joy to a changed life. You notice these aren't the same guys anymore. The guys who leave, uh, who go back to, to their jobs are not the same guys who went looking for Jesus. And the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God. That's different, right? They, they started the story afraid. For all they'd heard and all they'd seen as had been told them. So it says they, they're glorifying and they're praising God. Why? Because of what they'd heard and what they'd seen. What did they hear? They heard the gospel. Right? What did they see? They saw God incarnate. They saw the savior of the world. Because the source of true joy is not favorable circumstances, everything going your way, right? It's from hearing and believing the gospel. Hearing and believing. We need both of those things. We need to hear it And that's why, you know, we we preach it a lot here. And a lot of times when I'm writing sermons, I always get to this point in a sermon where like, you know, I, I say this every weekend, right? Every single weekend I say the same thing. Sometimes I say it in a minute. Sometimes I say it in 25 minutes, right? But the gospel, why? Because we need to hear it. We need to hear it. We need to hear it. And we need to believe it. We need to embrace it. And it says that they returned to their everyday lives and, you know, undoubtedly nothing, like their world hadn't changed their world was still full of demands and chores and responsibilities and stress and problems and relational conflict and all that stuff. But God sent them back with a mega joy that was bigger than their circumstances. And it, it was rooted, not in what's going on around them, it was rooted in Jesus Christ. Jesus who's in heaven, who's unchanging, and that joy in Christ can never be taken from you. And so we could, you know, we could be a lot like those shepherds right? they go back to a stressed out world and you know we're going to go back out into a world like maybe maybe God's changing you tonight but you're going to go back out into a world that's, that's crazy and maybe for you it's, it's at home or your job or school or your neighborhood or your friends but we don't have to go back the same we can go back praising God glorifying God filled with joy because the joy of the Lord is not just for this room it's for out there right it's for every place that you go I love it again in verse 10 this is God's word this is the angels message to them and I'd say it's a good word for us fear not for behold I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people it's for the shepherds and it's for us I'm going to pray for us and then uh, we're going to sing a song together. Father God, we thank you so much for a chance to be in your word again tonight and to hear about Jesus, to hear about his birth, to be amazed and to marvel once again at God in the flesh, at God with us. What an amazing thought. Father, I pray that if there's any of us that came in here tonight, you know, a little stressed, a little worried, a little anxious, maybe we've forgotten the joy that you have given to us. Now I pray that tonight, the message of the gospel, the good news, will once again ignite that, that fire of joy and faith in us. That we might go from here this evening Praising and glorifying our heavenly father for what he has done through Jesus. Father God, restore to us the joy of our salvation. And father, I pray that if, if anyone came into this room tonight or any of the previous services not, not knowing you, and maybe they've never heard the gospel or maybe they've heard it but just never, never believed. I pray that tonight would be a night of decision. I pray that tonight would be a night where they would move from fear to faith, to trusting in Christ, to trusting what they've heard in the gospel. And, and if that's you, if you came in here tonight not knowing Christ, not trusting him, you can, you can make that change right now. Right now as we pray. You don't, have to, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to walk the aisle. You don't have to go through a membership class. You can just, as scripture says right now, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And you can be saved. You can have your sins forgiven. You can become a child of God. Right here and right now. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Father, I pray that for all of us, whether this be the first time or the thousandth time, that we would say tonight that Jesus is Lord. And we thank you for the gift of your son. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said,